had a few announcements and some other things, but there is a couple of things that I do want to share and reemphasize once again, even if they've already been shared, is uh, we have several people that do need prayer. We have those that are in the hospitals that need help and uh, also prayer. And, uh, you know, I always encourage you as a body, anytime that you can reach out and love somebody and let them know that you care about them, it means so much, so much. So anyway, is uh, Brother Chris... How are you feeling, sir? So far, so so. That's good. When I went and saw him, he smiled at me real good. And then when I looked in his eyes, I realized, you know, Pastor, I love you. God bless you. But you can leave now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he he had had about all the fun that he could have uh, while he was in the hospital. But uh, I want y'all to continue to pray for him and continue to lift him up. And I want you to also to continue to pray for their family. For those of you that have heard or maybe that you've seen on Facebook their daughter Miss Brittany and her husband Stacy um, Stacy's dad was in an accident and in that accident not a car accident but just hear me out in what took place he wound up passing away and because of passing that family is in grief and they're hurting so I'd like for you to please pray for that family okay and um that's not to say that those are the only people that need prayer, but those are some that are very immediate at this moment. So please continue to lift them up in prayer. Also, I want to remind you that right after service today, we have our Awanas meeting. So please, please be a part of that. Then this Sunday evening, please be here tonight. We will have a short business meeting. And you might say, well, is it going to be earth-shattering things that we're going to be voting on? No, it's just basic information, basic things that we have to do with the operation of the church. But we want you to have a say-so. So if you could be here, we would love, absolutely love for you to be here. Please be here for the business meeting. We have our trunk or treat that is right around the corner. If you have not signed up and you can have some really, really cool treat decorations and you can come and be a part of it, please come and do that. Candy donations, all of that is provided to the community free of charge. We don't charge people for what we do for Jesus. So uh, please come. If you can share and love on some of these young people, please come and be a part of that as well. And that being said... I want you to open your hearts as we pray, and then we will go immediately into the service and uh, pray for your pastor as he does that, because it's going to be kind of a different message, I guess you'd say. So let's pray. Father, in the name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, there is none greater, none greater than the Lord. There is none more gracious, none that cares for us. God, you are always there. You are never leaving us. You never forsake us. God, you are good and the only one who is truly good. Father, we look to you today. We ask you for grace. We ask you for the help of your Holy Spirit in the ministry of your word and all that is taking place here today. Father, may you be honored. May your word be spoken in truth. And Father, I pray that you would help me not to make mistakes and not to get in the flesh and not to speak what I would like to say, but rather, Father, that which you would have your people hear. Father, we ask you to heal the sick. We pray for grace. We pray for help in the hurting and the lives of those that have lost loved ones. We pray, Lord, that you would do that which only you can do. You are God. Keep us in your name. In Jesus' name we pray for your glory alone. Amen and amen. All right. If you have your Bibles... We are going to be in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 15, 
very popular portion of scripture, one that you will know well, Jesus sharing that he is the true vine. But as we're going to that scripture and before we actually dive into what we're going to be talking about today, there is something that my heart is very burdened about. And I am noticing this because this week uh, I've had the privilege both in chapel services at the Holstead Baptist Association and with other pastors that I've come in contact with, and some of our other staff have even done this as well, there is an ongoing, there is, or rather let me say this, it has been ongoing, but it is an urgency that God seems to be birthing into his church for this time, and as the scripture may say, even in Esther, for such a time as this. And what that is, is the church, now hear me out, I'm not saying that there are not very good churches, that there are not great churches, that there are not men and women of God all over the face of the earth. I don't care how dark it gets in this world. I don't care how much, whether it be our government, whether it be society as a whole, I don't care how much they decide to approve of and to let go on and to say, okay, it's fine. We could just live an outright rebellion. It doesn't matter. God will still have a church. Listen to me. I don't care how dark it gets. The church will be here. Why do we say that? Because God said the gates of hell, not even death, would be able to stop his church. And Jesus Christ says that he is returning for his church. He is returning for his bride. He is returning, and there will be those in this earth, the Bible says, that will shine like the stars in the heavens. It doesn't matter in that respect, how hard the enemy comes against us, there will be the church that will rise up against it. But you might also notice in the scriptures that there is a term that is often used. It was used of Israel. And I believe it is rightfully used of even the church at times. Remnant. Remnant. What does that mean? Think about that. What remains? That is the whole or what was perceived to be the whole in the beginning is no longer there. A portion, many times the larger portion, is taken away. It falls away. It's broken in some way. The enemy has perverted and destroyed. In some way, people's hearts have been drawn away from God. And because of that, they go into rebellion. Now, I'm very careful with that term rebellion, but people, that is what it is. Whenever we look at God and say, you know what, what you say doesn't really matter. And we might even buck up and say, well, I've never said that. Well, let me say this. We live that way. Whether we say it to God or not, we live that way. You say, pastor, how do you know that? Because I've lived that way. Do not think that I ever point my finger at anyone. I never am that person that's standing there pointing at people and saying, woe unto you. I feel like Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm the person of unclean lips, as Isaiah put it. I am the person who has failed. I'm the one that has come short. I don't stand before you as one greater. I stand before one one before you that looks up into the heavens and realizes, you know what? 
I haven't been exactly what I'm supposed to be. And Lord, help me to become what I need to be. And Lord, help me to as best I can to love the church, to nurture the church, to draw them to you. And even as I am disciplined by God, even as God sometimes takes me behind the woodshed, I want to be faithful to share with you what God tells me. Judgment begins, the scripture says, in the house of God. Why is that? Because God cleans up his own stuff before he goes out there messing in the world. But a remnant. It doesn't take a newspaper. It doesn't take a poll. It doesn't take all of this scientific information to look around at the world and see that religion as a whole and Christianity in particular is in decline. It is. People say, well, no, the Bible says that there'll be a light shining. I just told you about that light shining. It's there. But the Bible, and you hear Jesus speaking about the last days, he doesn't say in the last days. Now, we talk about in the last days, proclaimed by the prophet Joel. God's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. He is, he is, he is. And we shout about that. People, that started at Pentecost. We're living in that right now. This isn't something that we say, whoo, one day in the future. No. Peter stood up and said, you want to know what's happening right now? This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Everybody wants to look out and say, maybe one day we'll get it right. No, we're living in the time of grace. We're living in the time of the blessed gift of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the time of the empowerment of the church now. Right now. That sounded, it sounded serious there. Now, okay. But anyway, yes, I am weird. For those of you that are visiting, I apologize. We'll be done in three hours max. Okay, so... Just relax. All the home folks are like looking at each other. He's not joking. He's telling the truth. Okay, no. Okay. But we are. Jesus talks about in the last days, and I do believe that we are in the last days, as we have been since the time that Christ ascended to heaven and is coming again in power and glory just as we saw him leave. But the love, Jesus said the love of many will grow cold. The natural affection that people are supposed to have for each other, you know, parents to children, children to parents, it will grow cold. People will be haters of one another. And people say, well, we've always had people that hated, but not on this precedent scale. I mean, my goodness, have you ever looked around? You can't walk out in the front yard and go, ooh, it's a beautiful day without somebody looking and saying, what do you mean by that? I don't know. I guess it's part of my privilege. Oh, I didn't mean to say that in church. Forgive me. Forgive me. I didn't mean to say that out loud. I'm still looking for my privilege, people. I'm still looking to find out why everybody is angry at each other. Everybody hates one another. You can't speak anymore and you can't do anything. I don't understand that. I don't understand why one group is supposed to be more important than another group. I don't understand that. I don't understand whenever we have such and such lives matter, whether it's black, white, or the other. Why do we even need to say that? That's not God's way. 
It never has been that way. For God so loved the world. So red, yellow, black, and white, purple people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was thinking about that purple eater, people eater song. But anyway, uh, it was almost good preaching, but my mind doesn't work. So anyway, my point is, Christ died for all of us. He did. God loves us all. It's not about privilege. It's not about all this other stuff. It's about us getting our heads out of the sand. And it's about us stopping listening to the voices of evil and wickedness in this world, which are Satan. We've got to stop that. Do you want to know why churches are in decline in America? Now, let me, let me give you a little background. Okay, let's do something for a minute. So you have churches that are struggling today. And people, make no mistake, as wonderful as this church is tomorrow, it could be struggling, very much struggling. As a matter of fact, if you look at the economy and the way things are going right now, we're probably all going to be struggling before it's said and done. Not because of some political agenda, but because the enemy is trying to destroy. He steals, kills, and destroys. That's what Jesus said. I don't care who he uses. The point is, is the Bible says we do not struggle against flesh and blood. Okay. But we have churches today. Have churches today that are struggling, and, and it's almost like you have to get to the point to where there's just a few people in the congregation. Because you know that those people that wanted the church, you know, that were causing all the problems in the church, yeah, you look at me and say, Pastor, why are you going in this? Because we're going to be driving in a certain direction in just a minute. The people that do most destruction to the church, once the damage is done, they leave. That's the truth. Statistically experientially, those that wish to destroy a church, they will start everything up. They will do everything they can to, to wreak havoc, and they are just so dissatisfied with life, they bring their misery upon everybody else, and then they hit the road, and they let everybody deal with the destruction. I got some advice for you. If you're that miserable, leave. Just go. Why destroy everybody else? Well, I'm on this tirade of truth. No, you're on this tirade of yourself. Stop it. Now, we're in a church that seems to be doing really good. I mean, everybody's happy. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because God today is speaking this to the church at large. So we get down to a handful of people within a church, and then they look at each other, and they say, we don't want our church to die. Where were we six months ago? Where were we a year ago? Where was this sentiment back then? The fact is, you don't want your church to die. You start today. You say your church is prospering. You say your church is doing well. Start today. Become and be what God commanded you to be. Love and be liked in this world. Stand up for the truth. Do not compromise. But love those to whom you witness and share. The church today, as we know it, and I'm going I'm to say something. I want to be very careful how I share this. The church will be here, but the church as we know it may not be. 
You say, how do you say that? Because I'm going to tell you this, it wasn't too many years ago that you could put a tent up, and I've shared this before, and I'll share it again and again. There was a time that you could put a tent up on the side of the road, and if people, it could have been a farmer's market for anybody knew, but if they thought it looked like a revival was about to go down, everybody and their brother was there. They were standing there. They were in lines to get there. Oh, this is a farmer's market? Sorry, we thought they were having a revival on the side of the road. And now, God forgive me. You can put up flyers, you can scream, yell all the way up and down the roads. You have to beg people. Listen to me. Here's my caveat for the camera. Everybody listen to me. If you're unable to come to church, people, if you're sick and stuff like that, I'm not talking to you. If you're in that situation where you must be home, I'm not talking to you. Don't let the devil put a wedge between you and me. But the vast majority of the church, that's not the case. We have to beg people, beg people. Did you hear me? Beg people to come to the house of God. How wrong is that? That's the facts, folks. You say, well, you don't have to beg me to go to church. Really? People, I've come to the place in my life, and I didn't always feel this way. And maybe that's because I was wrong all along. But I've come to the place now that it's not just about coming to a church and hearing a sermon. It's coming into the house of God, being the people of God, so that we won't become the people of the world. And so that we can kindle a fire within us in the presence of Almighty God in unity with other believers. And people want to say over and over again, you do not have to come to church. You do not have to come to church. Let me tell you something. Do you have to come to church to be saved? No. If you're sick and you're infirmed and you can't come to church or if you're in a place where if you go to church, you're going to be hunted down and killed, I understand that. That's fine. But the Word of God says this, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Period. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, then take it up with him. I believe if God were going to speak to the church today, and we as pastors will be the first ones, that he's going to take behind the woodshed. Have you never read in the scripture, in the book of Revelation, when God wrote letters to churches? This is in the early church. Do you recognize that Jesus did not have a lot of kind things to say to his church? There was probably one church that he didn't have anything critical to say about, but other ones, each one of them, he warned them. He warned them. Why does God warn the church? Because after all, we're saved, right? We're all saved, and because we're saved, it's compulsory heaven for everybody. You know, we're all just going to go to heaven. We said some words, so we're all going. It doesn't matter whether we're in church or we're out of church. What? Where'd that garbage come from? Is it not faithfulness that God has required? The Bible says, by faith, Abraham, people want to talk about works righteousness. Okay, hold on for a minute. Works ain't going to get you into heaven. I don't care how good you are. It's Christ Jesus alone. But I'm going to tell you this. Some of us think it was Christ Jesus at one time. I was good, and therefore, now that we're all good for me to live and act like the devil for the rest of my life. Even Dr. Charles Stanley would say, you need to come for another dip. Church is in decline because people do not want to abide in Christ. End of discussion.
people mock the Lord to this day because people do not abide in Christ. We don't walk in him. We don't live in him. We don't serve him. We don't love him. We don't seek his face. We are not changed. Therefore, they are not changed. One of the biggest criticisms that I've heard people say, and I'm talking about ardent peoples that were one, one day in the church, they said to me, they said, well, I've prayed and I've asked God, and God did not answer my prayers. Did you know that there is a requirement for answering of prayers? There's a requirement. And it's not, I live like I want to live, and therefore, I, because I go to a church or because I put some money in the offering plate and all those other things, God's got to answer my prayers. No, that is not the word of God. The Bible says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, abide in Then you can ask what you want, and it will be done for you. I tell you what, let's have a moment of prayer real quick. All right. Some people, if you will, if you'll lay hands on her over there, go ahead. We can do it. Y'all can move. Y'all can do stuff. Listen, this is Jesus thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our sister right now, and we ask you to touch her. We ask you, Father, by your grace to lift her up and to help her right now. Father, please. We ask you to give her grace and to give her strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, keep her. Amen and amen. All right. Abiding. Abiding in Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, take a look in John chapter 15, starting with verse 4. Now, let me give you the background before we get this. Jesus says, I, I am the true vine. I'm the real vine from which everything else gets life. Now think about that for a minute. I am the true vine. If you are in me, Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, and a lot of people have this question. They will say, what does it mean to abide? What does this term remain mean? Well, I think Jesus is giving us one of the best examples of that. Think about it. You have a vine. A branch abides in the vine. That is its life, its source, everything that it is going to be. What it will produce in life comes from the vine. But you take a branch and you cut it off, and guess what? It dies. Absolutely. Now let me tell you this. Have you ever seen a tree that's been injured? Now I want you to think about this for a minute. A tree that has been injured. Have you ever seen a branch that's maybe taken some damage to it? And you watch it. It struggles. It struggles to live. It struggles to heal. It struggles to get fruit to that end of that limb itself. In some way, for it to produce its strength, it's hindered. But then there are times that it will wither and die. There are times that it will overcome and it will become stronger. But a lot of that has to do with what we do to that limb. I believe that in the church today, we have a lot of injured limbs. A lot of them. And 
we talk about the struggling within the church. Could it not also be that the reason why we struggle is because we have not taken the time to care for those hurt branches? Is it that we haven't reached out to those that have been injured, that those that may be through casualties of whatever the circumstance may be, that we haven't done our part to love and to care for them? I think so. But let's take a look at this. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You need to abide in me. So let's take a look for just a minute and I will go to, okay, verse four again. Let me go back and just start over. He says, abide in me and I will also abide in you. Now we read it in your King James many times. It says, abide in me and I in you. Jesus said, abide in me just like I'm going to abide in you or abide in me so I can abide in you. Listen, without Jesus Christ living in us, without Jesus Christ with us in our proper relationship to him, receiving from him the life that only he gives, that abundant life that the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ sharing that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Without that occurring within us, we wither. We wither. So I want you to take this in kind of two different ways. Jesus says, abide in me, and I'm going to be abiding in you. But what does it mean if you do not abide in Christ? Think about it for a minute. If one is true, think of the opposite. If we don't abide in Christ, is Jesus abiding in us? It's kind of a scary thought, but just, just walk with me for just a minute. Does God say, you know, I'm, I'm going to love you, I'm going to fill you with my spirit, go out in there and act like the devil, live like the devil, ignore me, have nothing to do with me, and I'm just going to pour out my Holy Spirit every single day upon you. You're going to be so full of God. You're not going to know what to do. Is that what the Bible says? No, it is not. The Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of promise. We can break his heart. I believe in the testimony that we see from the Old Testament. I understand we're in a different uh, walk of grace. I understand that. But I believe that God acts as he has revealed. And the revelation of God is this, is that when we live in rebellion against him, God withdraws. He convicts. So let's take a look at this. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch in and of itself cannot, unless it abides in the vine, it can't produce fruit, can't bear fruit of itself. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You will never, I, Shane Phillips, will never become what God intends for me unless I abide in Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 5, he says, I am the vine you are the branches. Well, think about it. As branches, what's supposed to happen on the branches? From the vine, this is where the vine grows. This is where the vine flourishes. This is where the vine produces the fruit. And the imagery here is that of a grapevine, is what it is. And God's desire is that we produce fruit. Well, what is fruit? Fruit comes in a couple of different ways. But think about this. There is the fruit that is born within us. Now, people, this is kind of tough, but I want to ask you a question. What kind of fruit are you producing? 
Now, to the outside, if I had to go through this church right now and start picking people up, y'all got a lot of good fruit. It looks good. From the outside, it looks really good. Okay? But let me ask you this. But what's really being produced? People, I ask myself these questions too. The fact is, is that I have not always produced good fruit. Matter of fact, thorns and thistles are what I have produced. And I'm going to tell you what, in the church today, we're seeing far more thorns and thistles than we are seeing true fruit. I need to tell you something. I'm going to share something else with you that has become a conviction of mine with the church today. There's another evil that has arisen in the church. And people, this isn't a soapbox. This is not me standing up. This is not me pontificating upon what's right and what's wrong. I want you to hear this for a minute. The enemy has discovered, in particular, probably the last 15 to 20 years, and more so probably within the last 10, that there is an easier way to get at the church. And what that is, is that he will braise up churches. I said he, yeah, you heard me right. He is in the enemy. Will either take over churches or raise up churches that are all show and no depth. Let me explain to you what I mean. You will see a lot of churches out there that are mega churches, mega churches. I'm talking about tens of thousands of people come to church. Not pointing fingers, not saying names at this time. I just want you to think about this. And whenever you go and you read the statement of faith on there, they do not believe that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. They will tell you straight out in their statement of faith, it's not. They will say that the cross is not necessary. I got news for you, without the cross, we're all going to hell. But they will tell you that because it is a religion of feel good. People, this isn't new. The devil's been doing this forever. But what he does is he has masked it in Christianity. So here's the deal. If I can get you in there and I can get you dancing and I can get you clapping and I can put somebody up there and let me tell you something, people, this is not being condemnatory. I'm just simply laying it out. This will be like watching a, a documentary, but just listen to me. Listen, here's the preacher. You ready for it? Everything's okay, folks. God loves you. You're the head. You're not the tail. God's going to bless you. God's watching out for you. I don't care what's going on in your life. Tomorrow's going to be a brighter day. If you want to get divorced, you go ahead and do it because that's not what God had for you. God's something better for you. He's got that. And let me tell you something. You struggling financially? Let me tell you, there ain't nothing but an attack of the devil. Just send me all your money and God's going to bless your socks off. Turn on your television this afternoon and see if what I said wasn't the truth. And I'm telling you all this garbage and I'm trying to make you feel good because after all, everybody wants to go to church where somebody's going to kiss you on the cheek and say, they're there, it's all right, everything's good, live like you want to live, do like you want to do. You want to know something? Here's the deal. Everybody, and and I need to be careful because I'm even pushing in that direction. I need to stop. It isn't about do, do, do. It's not about all these works and actions. Do you want to know what's missing from that church? The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What is missing is a love and devotion 
to Christ Jesus, to his will. Jesus said, think about it for just a minute. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, even calling him Lord. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of God. But only, only he that does the will of my father in heaven. That's what he said, not me. So now this is New Testament. This is Jesus here. And he's even telling you, not everyone, he says, in that day, he's talking about the day of judgment. In that day, many are going to come to me and say, Lord, have we not done many great things in your name? Prophesied, cast out demons, done miracles in your name. And he'll look at them and he says, he will declare to them, I don't know you. You were never part of my family. You never walked with me. You never introduced yourself to me. We certainly didn't love one another and walk together because the things I needed you to do, you weren't a part of. I was in the trenches. I was with the broken. I was with those that nobody else wanted to talk to. I was with the poor, broken, and needy. Where were you? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Is what it says. Oh, Shane, you're such a meddler. Moving on. First, let's say we're in verse 5. Let me go back and let me do this again. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me, I'm going to abide in him, and therefore you will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus, we're not going to accomplish anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them, and they throw them into the fire. People, this is very scary imagery when you think about it. When you think about it, it's very scary imagery. Jesus at one minute is talking about us abiding in him, and then in the next minute, he says those that aren't going to abide in him, he says you wither up and you die, and you're cast into the fire. The idea of judgment. Moving on. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. People, as my grandmother used to say, you slobbered a bibful if you got that one. So listen to it. He says, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, well, how do we do that? He says, because my words abide in you. My words abide in you. To know what God said, to know what God wants. People, the church is so void of the will of God. We are consumed with our will, but we are not concerned with His will. People, if I went through the Bible from cover to cover with you, you would see a continuous thing of God asking people to serve him, to love him, to recognize who he is, and you would see habitually people refusing. And so Jesus says this, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Okay? Now just think about it for a minute. So he says, if you abide in me and you let my words abide in you, then ask what you will. Ask for it. Like I was talking about prayer just a moment ago. He says, ask whatever you want to then. And I'm not talking about selfish things, but what he is saying is that people, 
If your heart is one with me, then pray. Then ask my Father. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I'm going to bless you. Then I'm going to answer your prayers. And people, that brings me to the second thing and the final thing that I want to talk about today, which is going to be prayer. But let me continue for just a moment. Let's go down to uh, verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. There's no question about whether the Father loves the Son. He says, just like my Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. Abide, remain in me. We talked about his word. Now he's going to say, abide in my love. Well, what's he talking about that? He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you'll do what I tell you to do, you will abide in my love. Here's a toughie. Here's a toughie, folks. Whenever you talk about the Lord and you talk about loving him, the first and greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your might, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. That term love, even in the Old Testament, is talking about walking in obedience. That's how we show God our love. Well, let me say, people often equate, say, well, obedience, we're talking about commandments, we're talking about do this, don't do that. Let me tell you something, you want to know what the commandment of the Lord is? Here we go. Two hardest things we've ever done in our lives. Love him and love one another. Boy, that's tough, isn't it? People say, well, aren't there a bunch of other commandments? Jesus said, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. If we could get those right, we got it. But you want to know something? We do not love one another. And in many situations, we do not love God. And you want to know what, I guess, something else that breaks my heart is God isn't even looking for perfection. God recognizes that we are only dust. He says that. God just wants us to strive, to be, to walk after, to love, to listen. Do you know that every commandment that God gives is for our better? Every time he tells us something, it is to protect us. Listen, if you are a parent, and I'm not, I'm not assuming anybody in this place is like, but if you get your jollies off of control and abusing another human being, that's not a parent, okay? But if you look at your children and you love them, and you say, man, I want the best for them, you will tell them no. You will have to, at times, discipline them in various ways. My father believed in spanking. You don't necessarily have to, but I think it was his religion. (laughs) That is how my father honored God. Ask my brother. He'll tell you. I was beat every day of my life through, I guess, late elementary school through into middle school. That's the truth. They thought I was fundamentally evil. You know that bad person called the Antichrist in the Scripture? They thought that was me for a while. But anyway, moving on. But because you love your children, you tell them no. And you got them. And God does the same. And God's commandments are not to restrain you from good things. They're to keep you from destroying ourselves and each other. Okay. Oh, verse 10. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. Jesus isn't asking us more than what he does as well. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. Well, we're sitting here thinking, and we're saying, wait a minute, well, joy, this sounds kind of rough talking. Why are you talking about joy? Because think of it, people, in your love for God, in your obedience for God, in that relationship with God, there is joy, there is healing, there is help, there is grace that you receive from God. Peace, not like the world gives peace, but an eternal peace. Not a peace that can be touched by everything that affects your life, but a peace that is eternal because it is anchored in what Jesus Christ has done for you and me and not on circumstances. Okay. So I've told you these things so that you might have joy, that you can experience what God has for you. Live, abide in me, so that you might know these things, okay? Now look at verse 12. It says, this is my commandment. Here it comes, a commandment. Jesus speaking, he said, I have a commandment for you. I'm telling you, Jesus speaking, this is not optional. You ready for it? So he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sounds real good, hard to live. Love one another, care about one another, just like I've loved and cared for you. Well, last time I checked, Jesus gave his life for us. There's so much in there, folks, I wish I could say. And then he goes on to say, greater love has no one than this, than one would lay down his life for his friends. People, this is in context. Jesus said, love one another as I've loved you. And you know what he told them? He said, I'm going to die for you. Greater love has no one than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, I'm going to do that. Love one another as I have loved you. And then Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I just call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for everything, he says, for all things that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. He says, you didn't choose me. He says, but I chose you. And this is what I've done. I've appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. All of this follows under the original Statement of, I am the true vine. Called you to listen, to love, to be different, to care about one another, to change the world. The world is not like this, Jesus said. The world loves itself. He even goes on in this chapter to talk about it. He says, if they've hated me, they're going to hate you. He said, because I'm different. I don't operate the way the world operates. There's a difference. I serve God. He is my Father and people. That is really what life is all about. It's not about the job. It's not about functioning in the world. All these things are good. It's not just about having a family and some people together and those kinds of things and surviving in this world. Those things may be part of it, but that's not what life is about because without Jesus, there is no life. I just read it in the scripture. If you're not in the vine, you're withered. You die. So what's the solution? What about this abiding? You say, well, we've come to this scripture, and I'm looking up there at the time. Am I five after, or am I? I'm sorry, that's just the way it sounded. That was good. I like that. Am I five after? Yes! 
Did y'all catch that? It's almost like, just shut up, really, man. Just, just shut it up right now. Okay, no, I'm just picking. I know you didn't mean that, but it was good. I like it. Yes. Okay. But anyway, okay, here's the good part. I know that we've got some of the difficulties and we've been sharing it because I believe that this aches the heart of God. I do, people. And I believe if you are honest within yourselves that you would look around at the church, maybe not you directly, saints. Maybe not you. Maybe you are walking with God. Maybe you are living for the Lord. Maybe he does burn within you. But saints, that is not true of all the church. And you want to know one of the problems and why this exists is because we haven't laid hold of God. We haven't. So here's what God has been dealing with me. There's been a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Now, I'm talking to home folks, so if you're any visitors, you want to go to sleep, here's where you go to sleep. Talking to home folks. Up to this point, we've had a lot of holes that we've needed to fill. We've had a lot of things that we need to get right. And folks, we, we've got them. They're starting to come together in a powerful way, which means it's time to take the next step. If we are going to be, this is going to sound sensational, okay? But I don't mean it sensational. I mean it as a labor of love. We're going to be what God wants us to be. We're going to win Bristol. Listen to me. We're going to win Bristol. Now I'm going to tell you how you win Bristol. You say, Pastor, you speak as if you know this authoritatively. I do. On the authority of God's word. You cannot take a place unless God is the one who's leading the charge. I believe that God is now, recently, he has been preparing people who have prayed for this, and now it is time to put it together. We are going to win Bristol. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. How many people in this house, by show of hands, Yes, you can raise up your hands too. How many of you know how to pray? The most powerful thing is the most simple thing. And are you ready for this? It is the most neglected thing in all of Christmas. And that is prayer. Let me say it again. The most powerful thing is also the most simple thing. And it is the most neglected thing in all of the church. It is the one thing that Satan, all the powers of darkness, will fight you hair, teeth, and eyeballs for. He doesn't too much care about anything else. When a Christian prays, a true believer prays, the Bible says that that prayer avails, availeth, or it accomplishes much. Jesus Christ would not have said over and over again, pray. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would not have spent nights in prayer. Paul would not have said in his missionary journeys, please pray for me that God would open a door. When you pray, sincerely pray, everything will fight you. 
Your day will be disrupted. There's all kinds of things going on. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, okay? Something that I probably shouldn't be saying here as Miss Beverly and Miss Peggy are sitting there going, please, Pastor, don't. But it's okay. It's not bad. As bad. But I'm going to share this with you. Next door, sharing with the kids, teaching Bible class. We've been talking about all kinds of awesome things, and I've seen these kids learning more than anything. And you can call this a coincidence if you want to, and I'm not trying to equate them perfectly even with each other. But I started talking, and my wife's going to laugh. I started talking about Job. She's laughing. She is. I just looked in her eyes. Stop it. No. But I want you to hear this. People, I don't get plagued with boils, okay? But I started seriously talking about Job and started talking about prayer and doing these things. I got more boils on my body right now than Kelly's got cornflakes. And y'all looking like, ooh, I don't care. But you want to know something? Doesn't matter to me. You know why? Because if I have, if, now I understand it could just be a physical thing, but if I have offended the enemy, and the enemy is coming against me to do that, oh well, you know what it tells me? It tells me that I'm loving Jesus and I'm following him and that there's some young people that are laying hold of him and I don't too much care what happens to this body because in the end, I'm going to get a new one. So here's what I want to tell you. We are going to be establishing guidelines. We're not just going to tell people to pray. We're going to be setting up times, peoples, we are going to be praying for the city. We're going to be driving through our community. We are going to lay hold and offer opportunities to this community. And we're going to go out and get them. That's what we're going to do. Why? So that Tennessee Avenue can have a lot of people sitting in seats. Don't want people to sit in seats. I want people to sit in heaven. That's not my point. My point is, is that the gospel must go out, not just in Tennessee Avenue, but every church in this area that loves Jesus Christ. This is their sermon. This is what they're teaching. Go and listen to some other places. I guarantee you, you're going to hear the same thought and the same sentiment as I have been listening to it. It is the heart of the Spirit. He is calling the church to be broken before Him. We can not in this day and age continue to be haphazard, continue to be just, you know, just a little bit in the water. Let me tell you something, folks. If there was ever a time I didn't want to put my feet in water, it was right there. Katie, was that the coldest water that you probably, yes, it was. I think the devil just absolutely made it really cold, okay? But anyway. But it doesn't matter. We're getting in the water. Because either we get in the water, either we get with Jesus, or we get out. We can't continue to play anymore. If your son, if your daughter, if your mother, if your father were drowning right now, what you going to do? What you going to do? You're just going to let them drown? We've got a world that is drowning right now around us, and we've got the answer. And you say, well, pastor, you make it sound so, so dire. Yes. Did you know people are going to die today, today, and they're going to hell? 
today. Would you be scared to know how many of them are? And do you know why they're going to hell? Because God's cruel and hateful? No. It's because sometimes we don't raise our voices. And we don't, or rather we refuse to be Christ in this earth. Well, that's not happening anymore. I don't believe that that needs to happen in the church anymore. Any church. We're going to get them. And people are going to have to kick and scream. It's going to sound horrible the way I phrase it. But they're going to have to fight to go to hell. Because we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that they don't. And that they come to Christ. I need to stop. So here's what we're going to do as the musicians are coming. i got to close. The church is more. The church is more than the building. The church is more than just a pastor. The church is more than what we see on the sides of the roads, the Bibles that are on the shelf, all those kinds of things. The church is more than that. You have no idea what I feel whenever I begin to pray or that I preach. Some of you might say to me, Pastor, you know, it's just your emotions, this, that, and the other. But I can feel in my heart, and this isn't putting me on a pedestal or anything like that. Shane Phillips and 50 cents won't get you a cup of coffee. But I can feel those hearts that are broken towards God and are repenting, and I can feel the resistance of those that say, who is he? I can feel it. Okay. I'm not against anyone in this house. I'm just tired of seeing people destroyed. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing self went out over Christ. And it's not going to happen anymore. At least, let me say this. People say, well, how do you say anymore? I'm saying in my life, just letting it go. It's not going to be that way anymore. I want to be that person. I want to be that voice. I want to be that love and care that stands up and says, you know what? Jesus is better than that. And you may not know him. You may have experienced things that maybe wanted to drive you further away, but that's not Jesus. You don't have to love me. You don't have to like me to know Jesus. And today I ask you this. It's not about altars. It's not about people coming to an altar. It's between you and Jesus. Whether you're there or whether you're here, that's neither. But what I am saying is this. Today, if the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and is saying, you know, maybe I haven't been. Maybe this is true, that we need to bond together, that we need to be men and women of God, that it's not just okay to say, okay, I'll be one foot in, one foot out, and I'll be in the church sometime. I'll be out of the church sometime. I don't care whether you're here or someplace else. I just want you to be with Jesus. People we need. We need to submit, to surrender, to pray, to seek, to ask, and then God will take care of the rest. So today, if God's dealing with your heart and you feel him, that he is drawing 
to the altar. The altars are here. There's already people here, okay? Uh, we've got some that are seated on the front row. The way we do it here, if God's leading you to the front, you can stand at the altar, you can kneel at the altar, you can even sit on the front row if your knees won't allow you to do it. But if you need special prayer, I'm always available. We have other pastors that are here. You can come to the front and we'd love to pray with you. Today, if you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus or maybe there's just things going on in your life that you need some, some help with, we're here. We want to love you. People, it's important. Don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus as he speaks to you and respond as he speaks to you. There is healing. He is here. God bless you if you'd stand. Without him I could do nothing. Without him I'd surely fail. Without him I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Thank you for putting up with this bald-headed preacher. I know sometimes that I come on a little strong, but I will tell you this. I do not say what I say because that just happens to sound good in my head. It's much easier to just say things that sound good, folks, and just try to have a pep rally. But you want to know something? Pep rallies haven't been working. I don't think they ever work for that matter, but let me say this. That has been something that the church has been doing, and people are needing desperately and wanting, whether they recognize it or not, for something real. Father, today in Jesus' name, make it real. Make it real. Go with God. Be blessed. Somebody love Miss Katie Bell.
Of course you can. Okay, Awana meeting has been moved to the gym, so whenever this is over with, if you're one of those people, we'll be next door. Don't forget that we will have a business meeting tonight and that we've got our trunk or treat coming up. Love somebody before you leave. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Bye-bye.